we all forgot is you can have a bad month or you can have a bad couple of weeks. And when that happens, do you have enough cash to make it? Because I think anybody sitting in March 2020, you know, that's really the lesson is I never again want to be sitting there saying to all of my vendors, I can't pay you because I'm closed. Welcome to the Proven Principles Podcast, the show that deconstructs the inner workings of the hospitality industry, breaking down the tools, tips, and tricks that the world's best-run hotels use every day. Here's your host, Adam Knight. My guest today is Ann Gannon. She's the principal of the Largo Group, an accounting firm that specializes in the hospitality industry, providing monthly bookkeeping, tax services, and business consulting. She's also the author of Never Again, a book that was written in response to the tremendous challenges faced by the hospitality industry during the COVID-19 pandemic. Without giving too much away ahead of the episode, I was surprised to hear that one of the biggest lessons many hotels have learned the hard way over the past 18 months is the importance of cash flow. And not just how much cash is coming in now, but how much is expected to come in throughout the year. Those forecasts have become the lifeblood for ailing hotels. And given that it's everyone's favorite time of year, AKA budget season, I wanted to have Anne on to share more insights from the past 18 months, discuss her new book, and give some guidance on how hotel managers should be approaching their 2022 financials. So let's get to it. This is episode 61 of the Proven Principles podcast, Anne Gannon on how to create a hospitality comeback strategy. Enjoy. And thank you so much for being on the show. It's great to have you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. Yeah, let's, I, I want to, there's so much I want to dive into here today. I think this new world that we're, we're going into with hotels reopening, travel starting to come back, we're in budget season, yes. <laughs> which, you know, I think it just creates a whole other level of, of, of maybe overwhelm and anxiety uh, for hotels right now. So we got a lot of stuff to dive into. But before we get too deep, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? What's your connection to the industry? Yes. So um, I am a CPA by trade. Uh, we specialize in the hospitality industry. Um, a little bit about me is I grew up playing competitive golf. So I actually spent uh, a lot of growing up years, high school, college, traveling the country. And out of that really developed a love for hospitality. I mean, it's, it's such a unique industry. And I think a lot of people don't realize, you know, what goes into being successful in the hospitality industry. Um, but when I went you know, past golf and into accounting, I realized that there really is a disconnect between, you know, CPAs and your traditional accounting model and what you need in hospitality. Because like you said, you're on different calendars, you have different peaks and valleys during the year. I mean, there's just mm -hmm. a lot there from an accounting perspective. So when I, you know, after a few years went out on my own, I really decided to make it our model to do things differently, to really answer those questions. So if you're looking at occupancy or you're looking at, you know, different benchmarks to measure your success as an accountant, I should know those and be able to speak to those versus mm -hmm. just making you speak the accounting language, which may not be useful to you at all. So that's really our model is to get to know our clients. You know, what, what are the things you're looking at? How can we help you, you know, better understand those models? Because ultimately, like you said, it all comes down to building that budget, setting those targets and being able to evaluate, you know, how the business is doing. And I think to get there, it has to be a collaborative approach between the accountants and, you know, the rest of the company. Yeah. Yeah. And it, in, uh, you know, my, maybe my opinion's biased here, but in the hotel industry, it feels like there's so many more, there's many more moving parts. There's so many, uh, there's a lot of variables that you're, you need to try to account for 
no pun intended. Uh, when, <laughs> when when you're going through, you're doing a budget, or just that kind of the day to day, month to month, you know, financial flow, the turnover, doing the P and L, doing your forecast, and that it's uh, it's a very unique industry, I think, from the accounting perspective. Is that a fair statement to make? I think it is, and I think a lot of times as accountants, you can try to put it into a box like other industries. And it really isn't that because under one hotel roof, you have, you know, five or six different operating companies, really, right? Different things that you're doing. And as the, you know, owner or management team, you have to know all of those. Mm -hmm. So it really is just so unique in the number of transactions and things that go on within this one operation where you really don't see that, you know, in other industries. Yeah. So when you don't see your financial controller for like two and a half weeks every month, <laughs> it's for a good right. reason. <laughs> exactly. It's not as fault. Yeah. Um, so you wrote a book called Never Again. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about the book? What's what's happening with that? Why did well, how did it come to be? Yeah. So really the last, you know, 18 months for us, you know, was um, this, you know, crazy time, just like our clients. I mean, we're 90% hospitality. So unlike other accountants who were, you know, maybe a little impacted by COVID or, you know, saw some different tax returns. I mean, we were right in it, which really speaks a lot to our model because we are monthly. So we engage with our clients to provide a deliverable weekly, if not monthly. So when COVID first started to hit at the, you know, March, 2020, we saw it you know, in a week where you had a lot of accountants who aren't going to see it till next tax year. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you know, we really, it was scary time for us as a company, but it was also, you know, really deciding right away to speak to what we've always said, right? So from the very beginning, from starting the larger group, we've always said, you know, we are here to help and we are flat fee. And so if you need to get on the phone with us, then then we're here to get on the phone with you. And all of a sudden, you know, we had 90% of our clients that had a failing business, right? Mm. They were closed, they weren't able to operate. And it was, you know, kind of a gut check moment for us as a team to say, okay, guys, like drop what we normally do on a Monday, let's get on the phone, right? We are going to be here for people if they need it. We're going to learn as much as we can about all the programs, whether it's your state program or PPP and all of those other things, because they don't have time to learn, right? Because they're trying to, you know, plug the dam. And so we are just going to be this resource. And so what ended up happening is we set up, um, you know, kind of a weekly check-in Zoom webinar, and we ended up getting you know, lots of people who would call in and ask questions. And it really became a great resource to get people through those, you know, first few months. But Mm -hmm. as we started to look back, you know, at the end of the year, we realized, well, wait a minute, you know, what's interesting is 95% of our clients survived and Mm -hmm. they're actually okay. And so you started to say, well, maybe the model of being on the phone and being able to communicate and not this billable hour approach, but the feeling we are on your team, you know, not that that's everything, but that definitely, I think, provided a peace of mind at the time that our clients needed it. Mm -hmm. But as we move, you know, into the next year and we're not in this crisis mode, how do we set clients up to make sure that it doesn't happen again? Right. Because that's the biggest lesson of all of this is we never again want to be where we were you know, in March of 2020. Yeah. Yeah. You bring up so many great points. I mean, you know, understanding the, the, the landscape just within the government at the different programs that are available, uh, working with lenders on loan payments and, you know, what to do on that side. 
Um, but was there something that came out of your discussions? I know like asking you to sort of Monday morning quarterback the last year and a half, but was there a learning that came out of your, like the actions that you took where you realized like, oh, this, this really doesn't work. This thing doesn't work in the hospitality industry for, you know, your run of the mill hotel that, you know, just you know, fills up on Monday and empties on Friday and gets a little bit of leisure on the weekends. It, did you find something that was sort of across the board, most hotels do, that just, they got it, they got to change? Well, I think what had happened in 2019 is everybody was so focused on the top line, right? Growth. We all want growth. We all want more. If we have two, we want three. If we have, you know, three, we want five. I mean, mm-hmm. that was really the, you know, that was the method. And and there wasn't a lot of emphasis on cash flow, right? That it was really all about this top line growth and everything will take care of itself. And then I'll be able to sell everything and, and be great. But I think um, what we all forgot is you can have a bad month or you can have a bad couple of weeks. And when that happens, do you have enough cash to make it? Because I think anybody sitting in March, 2020, you know, that's really the lesson is I never again want to be sitting there saying to all of my vendors, I can't pay you because I'm closed. Or, you know, for many of our clients, they still at least had one full payroll cycle when they got shut down because payroll's a lag. Mm -hmm. And so you have, you know, 100 plus employees where you're sweating it out. Am I going to be able to make this payroll? Not their fault, right? They showed up to work, but it's all about cash flow. And I think if you had been talking cash flow in 19, it would have been like, well, it's fine. I can get financing or I can get a line of credit or whatever it is. Or I I know December is always great, so I'm not even going to worry about it. Mm -hmm. And then nobody would have thought, you know, you're business can be closed. And Literally think, a week's later, yeah. <laughs> right. And that's the biggest thing is, you know, making sure that you have a cash reserve that you're comfortable with. So you know, no matter what happens, you know, I, I'm fine. I'm going to be okay. It's good advice. I think that there's some, um, maybe a little bit of hubris right now thinking, you know, we won't go back to shutdowns. Everything's going to stay open. So that was a one-time Black Swan event. We don't need to worry about it now, which, you know, uh, probably, I mean, on a surface, it might be true. We may not be going back to a lockdown, but like you might not have the business coming in that you normally would have. So cash flow still is something that needs to have a lot of attention. Um, because while your hotel might be open, while, while travel may be open to your city, you might still only be getting, you know, 25 or 30% of your normal occupancy right now. That's very, very, very common, uh, especially as leisure starts to dry up with kids going back to school and kind of getting into the holiday season here. So yeah, we're, we're not out of the woods yet from an operations perspective. I imagine that's the same, um, on the money side. Well, and I think it's true. I, I just think it's, you know, I think it's easy to say, like you said, oh, but you know, we have all these, you know, metrics and we know what October looks like and that's how October always looks like. And we know what November, but you know, there's always going to be things we can't predict. And so I think as, you know, business owners, it's just being disciplined when it comes to cash flow, because at the end of the day, if you have enough 
cash flow and you have that true cash reserve, you know, which I think is the one conversation I would say we're having now with clients where we didn't before is, you know, if we're really going to run our business the way it should be, you know, there should be a why between how much behind how much cash we have, right? No matter yeah. what size we are, you know, if maybe it's two payrolls, maybe it's three payrolls, maybe it's six months of operating expenses, whatever it is, there should be a why behind what's in my bank account. Not just like, hey, it was a great week. So this is what I have, <laughs> you know? And I think a lot of times in that 19 growth, what happened is in the effort to self-finance growth, it wasn't like people were being, you know, intentionally cavalier with money, but it's, mm -hmm. you know, hey, this project ran over, I'm building and I had to cut a check to whatever. And all of a sudden you're running a lot closer than you would like to run. And I think that's where it is at the beginning because growth is great and it's great to have a new project and it's great to have a new venture and all of those things. But I would say the lesson is really taking a look at those projects before you do them and making sure we have the cash without sacrificing your existing business. Because I can tell you, I mean, we had clients who been in business 35 years, I mean, run, you know, $10 million operation and they've self-financed everything. So the cash to them that's come out in 35 years has been very little. Because they've just grown and they've reinvested and they've built on and they've done this, which is great because eventually they'll be able to sell and it's a fantastic business. But on March 2020, you're looking at it going, you're in your 60s and you've never taken much for yourself. Yeah, yeah. 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 You got to pay yourself. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's <laughs> true. Just for yourself or, you yeah. know, whatever it is, but that all comes back from that cash flow. that it's right. great to self-finance. It's great to invest in the business, but being aware of what you're spending is so important. Yeah. Well, right. And you know, I think about this and maybe we could dive into it just a little bit. So I think about it from, you know, the line level manager department head position in a hotel that really isn't connected to what we're talking about at all. Only in that their POs get rejected <laughs> because because <laughs> you know, something's over budget or you know there's there's no money air quote no money to spend on this project right now or there's no appetite for it. Can you explain to those that don't that aren't as deeply involved in what we're talking about on a day to day basis, but they feel the effects of it? What are the mechanics of cash flow in a hotel? Like how does what it, what does it mean what we're talking about? Well, I think it's very important, you know, just to make sure, and some of this is budgeting, right? If, if we have done our budget, then we're at least aware of the times where we are not, you know, sustainable in the sense we're not break even, right? Like we we're just not bringing in enough money to cover all of our expenses. Mm -hmm. But the other piece is, you know, really making sure that we know how much we need in, um, you know, in reserves. So if you know, okay, I'm going to go into the fall and it's sort of our shoulder season. And I know that things really aren't going to pick up again until December when it's holiday time. You know, even if I'm, you know, managing the restaurant, let's say, what I would want to do is be aware of what are my fixed costs, right? Because what are the costs I'm going to have to be responsible for and make sure get paid and make sure that we, you know, are on top of, even if I have, you know, one person sitting in my restaurant on a Friday afternoon, mm -hmm. because I want to make sure that we are completely ready to go in December. Because what ends up happening, like you said, if a PO doesn't get, you know, 
paid or gets rejected, you know, there's these little bills that then all of a sudden pile up and yeah. we can't get an order. And all of a sudden it's this, you know, falling down on this manager who just really didn't do anything wrong, but it's planning, right? So it's being aware of, okay, I plan that my department is going to, you know, say lose $5,000 for the next three months. Well, sort of like the canary in the coal mine, we should probably say something now, then assume <laughs> that everyone's going to be aware of this, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great point. I mean, it's easy to sit in, in, you know, your office, your front, your, your front desk manager, wherever, and just think that there's a bottomless pit of money that you can always pull from when really there's so much going on behind the scenes. Like you're talking about, like you got to do a, a cash flow forecast, right? Going into like coming out of a busy summer, going into a slow fall into a busy, a busy holiday season. Um, and so there's, that's a lot of the work that goes on, you know, when you're not, closing the month. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and I think about, I think any lesson for any business owner after 2020 is just being proactive, yeah. right? To look at it and say, okay, you know, even though these are the only, these are the things I can control, there's a lot I can't control. I'd rather be proactive and say, it, it's probably realistic that I'm going to lose 15,000 in the next three months, but that's okay because I'm going to make 50,000 in December. So everything's going to be fine. Right. But just to make everybody aware, you know, it's going to be negative 15 before we get to 50. And I think a lot of this too, like you said, is before in 19, everybody had these big staffs. Everybody had every position full. So you just assumed, you know, the wheel will keep turning. Mm -hmm. Well, now, I mean, we try to tell our clients, no matter what your size, you can't assume that because positions have been shifted. People have moved. It's short. Everybody's short staffed. So there's such a premium on being proactive this year, I think, and going forward to say, I'm not going to assume that everybody's looked at my budget. I'm not going to assume that everybody knows what happens here, but I'm going to own it and tell you so that we can make sure that we, you know, move forward in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. And so I mean, that's actually the timing of this conversation is really good because again, you know, August, September, everyone's trying to get their head around a 21 budget or 22 budget. Um, how are you advising clients deal with this right now? Is this, is it important to do a budget for 22 given how, number one, how the historical data is just not really very useful right now um, and clarity into the future is very hard to determine? Yes. I mean, I would say I was actually having a discussion about this with another CPA, um, just, you know, kind of one of those friends who's a CPA. And really the one thing that, you know, we were talking about it, which is so true, is that people forget the reason that you do a budget, right? It's mm. great to do a budget because you want to see how great things are going to be or, you know, it's fun when it's like, let's do 15% growth and yay, right? <laughs> but there's a really important reason behind budgeting that people forget, which is internal controls. Mm. Because if you set a budget as the operator of the restaurant, let's say, you know, ballpark what you spend in supplies, you know, ballpark what you spend in labor. So really what you're doing is communicating some basic targets to other people who may not know your restaurant as well. And we have one client who, you know, they had a lot of turnover, you know, we're relatively new to them and, you know, they're kind of like, oh, can you do more testing? You know, just make sure everything looks okay. And the 
first thing to us is a budget because mm. I don't know what you should spend in supplies. Yeah. But if you tell me it should be 5,000 a month and then I see it's 10, well, now that gives me useful information. So if for no other reason, just because of the turnover that's happened and the people who are in positions that have not been there before, I feel like this is the most critical time to do a budget because how are you going to know if, you know, anything's gone lax or mm. people aren't paying attention. So just control alone, setting those targets, even if it misses. And I would tell managers, you know, because it's always scary to do a budget because you don't want to fall short. But at the same time, I think having that open dialogue and saying, yeah, we don't know, <laughs> right? Like we have no idea right. and that's okay, but at least let's do the exercise because it's such a healthy exercise to do that mm -hmm. even if we're way off, it's still worth doing it and, and, and doing it to the best of our ability. Yeah. You know, and I know that's always been one of the biggest gripes about budgeting in the hotels, the hotel industry is, is that it's a moment in time. How, how could I possibly know what I'm going to do if I'm doing a budget in August of 21? How could I know what October of 22 is going to look like? A lot of time between now and then. Um, but you know, your point of, uh, of, of establishing a line of sight towards control is there's definitely a ton of value there. Uh, but some of the best organizations that I've worked with have also gone through a monthly reforecasting. So it gives you an opportunity to be like, okay, well, yeah. So if, if the budget is our floor ceiling, depending on how you look at it, um, you know, where are we in comparison to what we thought we were going to do based off of more current information? And you end up in this like rolling monthly forecast, which is a lot of work admittedly, <laughs> but you're, you're your visibility, I think in your level of control over everything is far, far greater. Uh, but you just got to be like willing to go through the grind. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> yes. it's a lot. Well, it's so funny you say that because actually in, um, in my book, that is one of the, you know, the never again steps that I recommend. Because as hard as it is, when you start to look at things as a forecast and a budget, you can get the best of both worlds. Because like you said, a forecast, it's your prediction. Everybody knows it's a prediction. Everybody knows we don't know. But then your budget follows up with, you know, here are based on those sales, here's the things that we could have controlled better or we could have done better or we ordered too much of or all the little things that really is the point of the budget. Whereas the forecast is really more on, we're going to predict, but we know we're going to change it in two weeks or three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Ha so, you know, from a, from a putting a, the budget together perspective right now, the control piece, a hundred percent. Got it. That's very important. Uh, from a methodology perspective, um, anybody who's entrenched in it right now, is there any, is there a, is there a different way that they should be looking at putting them, putting everything together or like based off of learnings from the last year and a half? Or is it still pretty like status quo? You still kind of go through the same steps. Well, I think like you said, the hardest part about budgeting this year, probably even harder than last year, although you wouldn't have thought that to be the case, is that you really are going off of two years of data that's not really relative. You know, so mm -hmm. you're really looking backwards to fall of 19, you know, but if you're seasonal, like say you're in Florida and, you know, the winter is your season. I mean, you're really looking at like 18 to 19 because COVID hit in March of 2020. So yeah. it's, I think it's very hard to find, you know, your true like 
baseline because it's been so long. And the other thing is fundamentally your cost structure and hospitality has probably changed. You're paying people a lot more now than you were. Your costs, I'm sure, are higher than they were. So it's I would say, you know, as much as we love to look backward, because when you do budget, like that's what you always do, right? You're oh, look at January of last year. Well, I can't really do that. Okay, I'll look at January of the year before. Well, I can't Can't really do that. that. So we'll go three years back, but three years back was a different business probably. Yeah. So I think you're almost better to go a couple months back. Like even if you have seasonality, I would say start with the present, you know, start Mm -hmm. with this year, you know, look at July or June, you know, depending when you're, like you said, the travel really Mm -hmm. picked up again. Um, And then use that as your starting point, because you can always go back to prior year and maybe see like percentage of increase. So, you know, November is always 20% higher than the, October or something like that. But cost wise, I would look at this year because otherwise it's going to be, you know, different than what reality is. Yeah. 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 With wages in particular are, are, I don't, I mean, I don't want this to sound negative. They're, they're, they're crazy right now, but you know, at the same time you have to ask like, okay, are they just right-sizing and they've always been too low? I mean, that that is a valid discussion for another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Which is true, but I think that's where it's so important because I have so many clients who are like, well, what's the point of doing a budget? I don't even know what my costs are going to be six months from now, or I don't know. Which is true, but what you really are doing with this budget is seeing if these wages are sustainable for the business. Mm right? Like, can we afford, I mean, I have people who are paying dishwashers $25 an hour. Yeah. Like, can we do that? Can my cleaning staff make double what they were making two years ago? We, we want them to, right? I mean, you want everybody to have, you know, a livable wage, but we also have to figure out a way to make that happen without sinking the ship. And if we don't do a budget now, we're going to get a year out and all of a sudden be bleeding. And we didn't even realize we were bleeding. Yeah. You can't just kind of like put your thumb to the wind and (laughs) say like, where is this, where is this going? Yeah. It it needs to be more scientific. Um, and that's going to allow you to figure out what other areas in your budget need to be propped up or eliminated, right. To be able to maintain this. Cause at the end of the day, to your point, right at the start, it's all about cash flow. Yeah. Right. So, um, it gives you so much more visibility. I know I'm kind of, you know, I'm sure everybody who's listening right now is like, yeah, okay, I get it. Budget important, do it. Um, (laughs) But the point of this discussion isn't the importance of doing a budget. It's how do you approach it today when resources on property are still limited? You know, people are run off their feet busy in some cases. There's no staff to do anything. And you got to do this super important thing or your boss, your boss's boss is telling you, you got to do this super important thing and you're just trying to survive the day. Like there really is a method to the madness and your contribution to it really does matter. Well, and I think it is, I think it's really hard. Like we have one client who, you know, and it's, you know, rightfully so, right? All the management team is out like doing the work, right? Because you have no staff. And that's, you know, it's what has to be done right now. And there's nothing that we can do about that. But I think it's reminding the management team that, at the end of the day, there will be a time where you're still held accountable for this year. So it is some of that prioritizing as much as you know, you know, this shift needs to be covered or I need to be out here and the guests are important. And all of that is hundred percent true, but you'd hate for things to fall short on your watch. And then 
you didn't do what you needed to do or catch it, which is the budgeting, because you're out doing other things. So at the end of the day, you are in this role for a reason. And so you really want to make sure that, you know, that those duties are covered too, because they are important. Yeah, well said. Um, it, we brought up in our kind of our pre contact before doing the show here, talking about an exit strategy. Uh, and I want to dive into this just a little bit before we wrap the show. Um, Cause I, I don't think most people start a business or buy a business or buy an investment like a hotel without, uh, with the thought about how I'm going to get out of it somewhere down the road. What, can you shed some light on this here? Obviously the discussion, an exit strategy in 19 is a very different discussion from an exit strategy today. So, you know, yes. 19 was all about like, you know, sell it over, you know, 10 million over list or whatever, right, we don't, exactly. whatever. Today, exactly. different story. Yes. No. And I think it's very important because what has happened in the last two years is you may have two years that really don't present the value of your business, right? Mm -hmm. Beyond your control, but you may have really, you know, had these two years where the tax return is going to show a, a crazy number. I mean, most of anyone who received PPP, what ends up happening on your tax return is it actually shows a deflated net income because mm -hmm. PPP isn't taxable, but you're allowed to take the deductions. So that can create a really unique situation where all of a sudden you have this tax return that shows these like large negative numbers when you really didn't lose money. You know, we've had clients who argue, I wouldn't have paid my managers if I hadn't gotten PPP. Well, now right. I show these, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars as a loss. I really didn't lose the money. It, it just wasn't taxable. So mm -hmm. what's really important in that is that, you know, an exit strategy takes years. In most cases, if you are looking to sell your investment, you know, you would have probably at least three years of tax returns that you would be asked to show. So mm -hmm. what that means is we may not be able to count on 21 and we probably can't use 2020. So if you're thinking about exiting in five years, we really should be thinking about this going into next year. And it's mm -hmm. really important that you're aware of, you know, areas where you're compensated as an owner. Um, you know, how does it present? Do you show taxable income every year? Because, you know, no, no business owner wants to pay taxes, but nobody buying your business is going to want to see a loss either. Right? right. So we really need to make sure that we're looking at this because you'd hate to get to the end and, and, you know, put it on the market or, or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden realize that it's very hard to show the money that you were actually making out of this investment. So mm -hmm. I think this is really a good time to kind of walk through those things. If you were to buy your own business, what would you want to see? I mean, what should it show on the bottom line? And, you know, real estate, do you own the real estate? Do you show that separately? Does the real estate show income? You know, what is your rent set at? Because if mm -hmm. you're, if you own the real estate and you run the operating company, have you adjusted rent? Because maybe rent's gone up in the last five years. I mean, there's mm -hmm. lots of things to look at as you start to exit, but what happens is we get to the year we want to exit and then it's too late, right? Because your tax return's always on a lag. So you really yeah. want to make sure that you're looking at these things now so you have the door open, you know, three to five years when when you want to get out. Yeah. And and so a firm like yours can help with this. Yeah. So we Shame, do a lot of- Shameless uh, plug. Plan, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. But it's true. I mean, we actually have a work paper where we, you know, the first thing we have you do is like, fill out this exit strategy work paper as if you were 
presenting your business today? Because it can be eye-opening because you think, well, you know, I, I take X amount a month. I don't see it, right? I don't see it on your return. I don't see it on a pay stub. Interesting. And, that, and now if I'm a buyer, I'm not going to believe you, right? So it's very eye-opening to to start and um, and then kind of work through those things together. Okay, what could we do next year differently? And just that awareness factor is so important. And like I said, there's so much if you own the real estate, which a lot of, you know, uh, hotel operators do, where you can, you know, kind of showcase both assets and really Mm -hmm. decide, do you want to maintain the real estate when you do sell? You know, what are you selling? Because there's so much there that is on your return, but you just want to make sure that it presents itself correctly. Yeah. Yeah. But back to one of your first points, pay yourself. But pay yourself properly. Because <laughs> so many times you don't, and then you go to sell and you're like, no, 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 no. But I took all this money out, but I don't see it. You're like, did you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> right. for sure. Um, and, and this was, this was a great conversation. I mean, we could go on about the complexities of this for a long time, but I think you've, you've presented it in kind of a very, um, understandable way, uh, especially right now with the big need of, of getting budgets done. And, and, and this, this normally very crazy time of year, probably exceptionally crazy time of year, uh, for most. So appreciate you being on the show. If anybody wants to get a hold of you, uh, or learn more about what you do, where should they go? Yes. So please check out our website, uh, thelogergroup.com. We offer uh, free courses all the time. We actually have one uh, focused on cash flow starting this week. So uh, what we do periodically, so you can just sign up and you will get our emails with our courses when they're available. But I would just tell everybody, you know, who is struggling with budget season, um, you know, take it one, you know, one number at a time. You know, it's a scary thing in any year, but, but it will be worthwhile. So you know, stick with it. Love it. Love it. Good advice. Uh, and thanks again. Thank you so much. This was my episode with Ann Gannon. You can learn more about her and the Largo Group at thelargogroup.com. I'll link to their website in the show notes. You can see the full interview on YouTube. Just search The Proven Principles Podcast. And if you want to learn more about the show, just head over to our website, theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. Finally, if you need help with a project or just someone to work with on a tough problem in your hotel or restaurant, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can book a free call with me by going to knowinghospitality.com slash contact. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. For past episodes, show notes, or if you've got a story that might make a great episode, head on over to theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, even on YouTube. And if you haven't already, don't forget to leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening to the Proven Principles Podcast.